Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Corridor Cast, where we have a great episode for you today. Clint, Jake, and myself are sitting down for a crew cast here where we're going to talk about our experiences growing up and how that affects the children that we now have. We're also going to talk about futuristic junk like cybernetic implants and all that kind of fun things. Also, Clint has come to us today to share a very, very harrowing story of a near-fatal experience he had on a set once. And uh, it definitely requires listener discretion, so we will give you a little heads up right before we begin that story. But I would highly recommend sticking around to listen to it, because I think everyone learned a lot, and hopefully you will too after listening to it. We have Cuntum A. Jones here on the podcast. <laughs> That's only for the government. The That's only government. The government That's what the government knows you by? Uh, no, I know you by that name now. Yeah, the government sent me. They tried to get me in the draft. They tried? And they you, tried. You put Cuntum A. Jones? I didn't put that. The government sent me a letter to address to Cuntum A. Jones. Cuntum. <laughs> it's like this. It's like the worst thing you could possibly send me. I'm not going to. I'm not your signing up for the draft. Your draft letter? Was addressed to Cuntum A. Jones? Yes, it was. I just love how there's a verbal system of communication when it comes to high levels of government. Because I I kid you not, I I think it's at one point the IRS sent me a letter addressed to Samuel A. (laughs) Sorsei. S-O-R-S-E-I. Sorsei. Sorsei. So I must have said, I said Gorsky and they were like, Sorsei? Sorsi? 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 What was that? Did you ever, did you return to sender? Uh, no, every once in a while, I, it's, 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 it's some weird sub office or something. I forget what it was, but I still get these letters yearly. I don't know what it is. Have you ever gotten a second Contame Jones letter? I've, I've never gotten a second Contame Jones letter. But if I did, I would probably frame it. And then the following letters, I would just, Send to the paper shredder. Well, is it because you had like a, one of those things where you have to fill in each box with capital letters and you were yeah. unclearly right? Like someone tricked you in high school. It's like, hey, sign this form. <laughs> and you're like, oh, okay. Like the L and the I were probably a little too close together. You yeah. Know? So it was like, like CU. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's funny. Some like shady recruiter at your high school is like, hey, kid. Well, I, I actually signed up for the Marines. I, I what? There you go. Well, okay, so it was like... It was, it was the Marines form. I wanted to be in the Marines so bad since I was a little kid. I was like running around the neighborhood with my freaking toy guns. Yeah. And like sneaking up on the on the front entrance and like watching the cars come in with my binoculars. Oh, to God, I work. have a story about that. Oh. When you're, yeah. And like that was my life as a kid, right? And I would build like forts out of camo netting. with my. We'd wake up at six in the morning and build forts and whatnot. And, um, That's great. After high school, I was like, yeah. Yeah, let's do it. Marines, let's go. It, I was ready. Mm-hmm. And um and then I realized, nah, I just want to do video stuff and like make films and tell stories and do the whole creative thing. They're like, oh, yo, you could you could take pictures for us in the military. I was like, really? That that, that was a conversation that happened. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So absolutely. so so a recruiter or where, how how did this yeah, how did this happen? Up here. How did this happen? You like, had already signed up at this point? I had not signed up. I'd call them and be like, guys, Yes. Okay. Let's do this. And let's, so they, what, bring what you, I, they brought you, you in or something like that. How did that go after that? Um, yeah, it was all it was all through the phone. Um, and he sent me papers. I went through, and it, it was a while ago. So I don't know exactly what happened, but I just remember I was talking to a recruiter for a few weeks, and he kept calling me, and he kept calling me, and then like 
I slowly started to realize eh, I'm probably good on this. You know, mm. I'd rather just do film and, and this is fun. And this is my, I'm, this is where life is taking me right now. And, um, and I stopped, I stopped picking up the phone and he just left me these angry voicemails, these angry voice messages. And he started to intimidate me. I got all scared from this. Like, 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 what? like what? Like what? He started making me feel bad. He's like, oh, 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 okay. All right. You're not going to sign up. I see how it is. You make me waste my time. You waste my time for this. Like, do you want this or not? Okay. And I was like, yo, dude. <laughs> like, on your chill. voicemails he was saying this? I would pick up and he'd be like, dude, why did you not pick up the phone? I'm like. <laughs> Whoa. I was getting hassled by this recruiter. No. And I'm like, I'm good, man. So eventually I just blocked his number. I, I told him no. And then he kept calling and kept calling. And I was like, I'm just, I'm, I'm done with this guy. So that's fascinating. And maybe, I mean, maybe he was the, the, the guy who sent me the letter. I don't know. Maybe. I mean, <laughs> maybe he was the guy. Maybe. Would, so, I, I mean, like, so, but it, you, where, where do you think this... you, he submitted paperwork that said come to Joe. Oh, God. And had it sent to your house. Yeah, it's fascinating. <laughs> I mean, I feel like it's, it's kind of like it's, it's the it's the games, it's the movies, it's the TV stuff, it's all 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 that stuff. You know, you, you get wrapped up in the culture because I had a friend like that in college too, who we played tons of Call of Duty four together. You know, and he was st- studying to get like a medical degree, mm. and uh, at the end of his undergraduate program, he kind of turned to everyone. He's like, guys. I think I've changed my mind. I'm going to become a sniper. <laughs> and we're like, really? And he's like, yep. And then like, over, but like, this is over the last few months before we graduate. And he starts ordering like these airsoft revolvers and stuff. And I'm like, dude, this is like, you play Did way too much Did he get the tack glasses for 1999 on the commercial? He didn't. He didn't. Basically, this just went on until he graduated. And then uh, he uh, he basically spoke with his parents and they were like, are you, are you serious? Are you kidding me? <laughs> You become a sniper in the Marines or something, a Navy SEAL, and then uh, basically they set him straight, and he finished his medical degree. And he was going to give up a medical degree for that. Yeah. Wow. The funniest part is you can't choose what you're going to do in the military. Like I know. you take a test, and well, as far as I as far as I understand, you take a test, and then they pick, they place you where they need. Like yeah, you can't just be like I'm like I'm gonna be a sniper. It's like I'm gonna I'm gonna make the funny videos before presentations in the yeah. army. That's like that, that's what you would have done. Yeah. Like, all yeah. right, so we're gonna attack this base, but first, yeah, we have a video presentation by Contemporary. The, <laughs> <laughs> the more you prove, your, the more you prove yourself, the more uh, ability you have to choose. But yes, generally you're right. Yeah. Did you ever consider that, Jake? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, when I was growing up, oh for sure. My brother had a T-shirt that was olive drab green, <laughs> and it had a marine on it that looked like fucking Popeye, and it said like a guy with a gun. No, yeah, he was like, you know, he was like a you know devil dog, and he uh, and the shirt said feeling mean like a U.S. Marine, and we used to put that shirt on, and we used to go to army surplus and buy the woodland camo mm. and we used to have face paint we had face paint we used to do same. this we used to do this same we were surround we were in this development out in the country and each each lot had its own like two acres and so your your neighbor's house you can see your neighbor's house but it's like way over there mm-hmm. so me and my brothers and a couple of our neighbors there was like a there was like a squad of like six of us and we used to get all dressed up in full camo with fake with fake rifles. Like this is wooden, me, dude. This wooden is me. Rifles. And we story. used to go sneak behind our neighbors' houses yes, and climb up into trees and with with binoculars spy on yes. them. Yes. Just spy on people. That was what we did. We used to just go around the neighborhood and spy on people. And yep. one one night, it was it was a, it was the late summer and it was it was dusk. 
Mm. And we decided that it was going to be a good idea to, instead of doing a rear approach for reconnaissance that night, we were going to do a frontal approach. It's ballsy. Yeah. And so the back of these lots was surrounded by trees. It was like a little clear ring in a field where all the houses were built and it was surrounded by trees. So you, from the back, you're good. But from the front, you had to creep through the, through the grass. There was very little coverage. Mm. And so we're sneaking up one night we're, we're crawling in our and there's like five of us and we're crawling in woodland camo like little 10 year olds and we post up behind these trees and we start spying on our neighbors and they're having dinner or whatever i don't know and all of a sudden the dad like looks through the window and he like looks <laughs> you, you can tell that he sees us <laughs> and we all get down we're like, yeah my brother's like get down get down get down we all get super low and freeze and he opens up the door <laughs> and he comes out onto the stoop and he stands there and he just puts his arms like this <laughs> and he goes what the hell are you doing <laughs> and no one says a word <laughs> he just stands there he goes I'm gonna ask you one more time what the hell are you doing <laughs> and my brother perks up and he goes um spying <laughs> he goes not on my property you're not and we all get up and just sprint away like a little squad oh yep so yeah needless to say you know that was definitely something that was on my radar but um i got offered a track scholarship to go to the university of notre dame so you one. know i took i took yeah, that one smart yeah that's yeah yeah almost made it into the army though close yeah i mean <laughs> you, you were on you're on that path man <laughs> One more step and you would have been shipped off. Yeah, one time I almost fell out of a tree. Man, mm -hmm. we built forts all over the woods. Night ops. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. You, mm -hmm. uh, I mean, it's it's weird. Like, do you think you'll uh, let your kids put on uh, camouflage and face paint and go sneaking around? Yeah. I mean, as long as it's, you know, as long as I could consider it safe and I know, like, generally where they are and who they're with and, you know. You kind of have to gauge that as a parent, like based upon your kid's development and age. Yeah, it's weird because you know now as like a as a new parent as well, it's like you think about things that you did that gave you good experiences, and obviously you want the same for your children. Mm -hmm. But you know, sometimes it's like I wonder if sometimes you think about those experiences, and it's more like a nostalgia thing, and maybe there were things that you could have improved about it. You know. You know, or or like, is there a way to maybe look through that, uh, those experiences with the, the lens of the present day, so to speak? You know, because in middle school, high school, running around with like airsoft guns, like in public parks, having airsoft fights, it's like not the most appropriate thing these days, but it was a blast. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'd wish my yeah. kids the same. I mean, parenting is weird like that in the sense that it gives you a choice of how you want to present information to your kids. Mm-hmm. And you can choose to present information the same way it was presented to you or not. Um, but yeah, well, for example, the other day, Wendy was at a, a garage sale and she found this little log with a pistol and like little plastic bottles where it's like a laser. Mm -hmm. And when you shoot it at the log, like there's a little thing that pops up and it knocks the bottles off and it's just like a little thing. Mm -hmm. Um you know, and then I have all these. I I have all these toys from when I was younger, like a little nine millimeter uh, squirt gun. Yeah. And Eliza's playing with them, and you know, you're thinking, well, 
okay, she doesn't know what that is. Like, yeah, you know, she's is it is that fine? And you kind of have to judge it contextually. You know, I I don't think there's like a, I think I know some parents are very anti, and they're like, no guns, no army, no any of that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, I don't know if I don't know if necessarily just drawing bright line rules on stuff like that is the best policy to approach any topic with. Mm. Um, yeah, it's like because it's the same thing. It, it, it's 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 a weird. It's a weird habit to get into. It's like a kid puts a night helmet on and it's like, you are not joining the order, son. Yeah. Like, yeah. Right. <laughs> they slaughter and massacre. Yeah. It's also, you know, this this side of our culture goes yeah. back like thousands and thousands of years too. You know, yeah. like the 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 hero heroize how do you say that? The, basically turning soldiers into heroes. Yeah. Heroism. Yeah, heroism. Heroism. Yeah. So, you know, that's been around um forever. Uh obviously things changed a little bit through like world war one and world war two uh when wars got deadlier and and now with modern day with you know people opening up on people in public and stuff like that but um i don't know i feel like there's still a there's still a place for for fun games like that and and for for a little bit of yeah yeah it teaches you kind of you know you're out you're out there with your friends and you're out playing playing war and you fall or you stumble or you get hurt or whatever it teaches you a little bit about yourself so i think that part of it's important mm-hmm. certainly i mean i feel like uh there's a there's a topic that was floating around and uh also in the joe rogan podcast you know it's really relevant um but he had a guest talking about how kids uh kind of are lacking that free range ability these days because yeah. of how protective uh, a lot of parents can be but also how i guess i don't want to say judgmental but it's almost like a stigma of like even non-parents what they assume a good parent should be like so that when you see a child that is out alone you know there's that instinct to call the cops or cps or something because clearly something's wrong if a child is left unattended somewhere even at a park which is not inherently wrong in a lot of neighborhoods most neighborhoods i'd argue I think it depends on the park and the age of the kid and what the kid looks like at the time. Do they look distressed? Do they look yeah. like they've been out there? Do they look, you know, what kind of clothes do they have on? Like, what's their face look like? What are their emotions? Where is the park? Um, does it look like there's other people in the park where there's a picnic and there's a kid close by? Yeah. Is it in a neighborhood? Is it in an industrial district? Yeah. You know, there's all these sort of contextual things that I think you need to take into account when it comes to things like that. Yeah. What kind of uh, a random question, actually, Clint, what kind of rules did your parents have for you when you were growing up? Mm, I was, I was raised in a Christian household. We went to church every single Sunday. Um, and there was I'd say, rules. Um, my dad was really, really cool. My dad is the one who got me into music. He was a drummer. He was in a band when he, you know, when he was my age, um, my dad was the one who got me into like the matrix and Braveheart and all those sweet movies, like all the movies. Mm-hmm. And he was the one who like, let me watch him play uh vice city. I couldn't play it, but I could watch him play it. And then eventually I could play it. <laughs> so it's like, you know, he was in vice city GTA. Yeah. 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 So we'd only get to two stars on the cops and yeah. then he'd sometimes take three, it to the paint sometimes shop. Three. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's like, he was he was super chill and you know like I got spanked as a kid. 
I would get the belt or I get the pinch with the twist, you know. But like the purple nurples? Are we talking? No, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Like just anywhere, dude. My mom would like friggin' like pinch my arm and it's a pinch and, and a twist. Twist, okay, okay, it, dude. Okay. The twist. I never got evil. a pinch and twist. It's a mom technique, but yeah, I get it though. The grandma technique. And then when, when my dad pinched, he would just he would just get the tiniest little piece of skin and just like <laughs> ah, it's like a bee sting. Like, but like, um, rules, man. Uh, no nudity. Anytime. Any- like you couldn't take your clothes off. <laughs> I couldn't take Ever. my clothes off. No, no, no. Like, like, like. Um, if there's a if there's a like a sex scene in a movie, I would okay. have to close my eyes. If there were nips, you know, I'd have to close my eyes. Mm-hmm. Um, right. You know that kind of stuff. <laughs> and as long as I don't cuss, I can continue watching movies and games where with cussing in it. Um. You know, I I was I was that kid outside running around with airsoft guns in the hills. You know, getting yeah. chased by rattlesnakes and the camo children, camo children, yeah, <laughs> crawling, crawling through the yeah. the the sewer pipes and the drains and whatnot. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. that was that sewer was me pipes? for sure. Yeah. Okay. Um, going going back to the the topic of kids, right? Mm-hmm. I would love to have kids one day. I think that's going to be awesome. I think it's going to be really cool. So how how do you how do you Decide when like, a man and a woman love each other. <laughs> <laughs> How does it work? How does it work? No, but like, how are you guys like? Like to your point, Jake, of like you can you can introduce them to something the way you were introduced to it or not. Yeah. Like, how are you deciding if that's if that's the one? Like, because I could easily overthink it. You know, where it's like, ah, uh, I don't know, I don't know if they should, you know, be out running around. I think the thing that I fall back on. Uh, is well, a make sure it's balanced, right? Whatever their interaction is with almost anything. I mean, Wendy and I had this conversation about Disney the mm. other night, where she takes her to Disneyland. We watch Disney movies, but then the subject came up of whether or not she could do her hair and dress up like a princess. And I had to that for me. I need to draw the line there. Really? I think yeah, because I think there's a there's a distinction. Well, so that's my first part. I'll get to that in a second. And then the second part is understand. So everything in moderation and then also understand that your kids are going to be their own people mm-hmm. and you can't always control what they think, do and, and say and act. And eventually they'll become their own people, whether you want them to or not. So you have to be comfortable with just giving them the information and then eventually letting them decide. So why draw the line with the, with the, so with with the, the, the Disney what about thing, Halloween? Oh, that's and a also whole, yeah. Like how and how is that different from dressing up in camouflage and being a, being a camo <clears throat> child? Yeah, I you know that's a great question, Sam. I didn't think of that, but I'll give you my answer for Disney, and I'll give you my logic. So, it, Disney movies are great, right? They have a lot of motivational characters. They have uh, inspirational characters mm-hmm. of all different types, of all different backgrounds. But the thing that I think they fail to do a lot of the time is. Uh, present truth in 99% of situations because those don't make good stories. If somebody, take Frozen, for example, she goes out to find her sister, Anna, Princess Anna goes out to find her sister and she's with the other, the guy, right? And they're looking around for her and eventually, you know, uh, they find her, she kicks him out and then um, she Basically, at the end, she's sick and she's going to die and she needs like a kiss to save her. And then they meet on the lake and it's like they get the kiss and then it's okay. 
But in 99% of situations, you'd just be dead in that scenario. You know, if like there was some witch with like ice powers and she struck you with a with an ice bolt and it froze your heart, you'd just die. But that doesn't make for a good story, you know? So there needs to be some sort of like deus ex machina intervention that, that somehow gives you this closure or this wrapping up of a situation that was previously dangerous and deadly or incorrect. Yeah. An incorrect behavior. Although not to get too far in the weeds, but you know, when you are dealing with a world where there's ice witches <laughs> shooting bolts, you know, I feel okay, like well, it's not about okay, dissecting fine. Take where it has to hit for it to do damage. You know. Take Moana is another no, example. But, on, but no, no. in each in each Disney scenario, in each in each Disney story, there's always a person that saves the day, by and large. You know, there might be a few outliers, a few exceptions here and there, but there's always somebody that comes in and saves the day despite all odds. So, And that's not real life. Are you worried that Eliza so, is going to... I'm worried that if we dress her up and we, like, take her to Disneyland and then all of a sudden she starts to, like, think, I am one of these characters. My life is really like this. Mm-hmm. And then when they get older and they realize real life isn't like that, they start to attach to that as the only thing in their life okay. that had any sort of comfort and like happiness I, rather than just confronting the world for what it is and being like, look, 99% of the time, this is what's going to happen. Don't forget about the 1% because the 1% is the thing that actually like tells a great story or in society like actually makes progress. But 99% of the time, this is the truth. Okay. And, and I don't think that Disney ever really acknowledges that. And I just think if you go a little too far down the road, you might start thinking that. Okay. I, and I, I think I, I largely agree. And I mean, but we're, we're, you, once again, you're, you're clarifying, like we're talking about like dressing up, um, not during a costume occasion, like right. Halloween. Yeah. We're talking about dressing up on Monday. Yeah. Like Monday, you know, <laughs> Wendy and her, her mom and, and Eliza all go to Disneyland, right? Say it's like a random day, right? And they're like, Tuesday, we're going to go to Disneyland. Cause they have annual passes. Yeah. And it's like now the kids dressing up every Monday to go to Disneyland. It's like I see. Where is the line between that and real life? I, I, I totally understand. I think and for me that's where it was. And I think that definitely plays into having unrealistic relationship expectations. Yes. That's at, yeah. when when you become older because you get very ingrained in a fictional story world. And yeah, you want I, your I, life I, to be a fictional narrative, and it's not. Well, I, what what about social media then? Like, what what if are you if everyone in school has their phones and social media, and she's like, "Come on, Dad! Like, give me. I want to. I want to be. I want to fit in like everyone else in school. Mm-hmm. Like, to me, there's a fantasy there in social media. It's like everyone's presenting the best version of themselves. So yeah, you need some parameters. You know, it's contextual. It depends on how old they are, who their friends are, how mentally developed they are. You know, how, how, what kind of social media and, and how they're interacting with it. Yeah. It's not going to be the same in 15 years as it is now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, everything I was hearing, it's basically, um, you need to wait until high school, basically, even though that's going to, that would make many kids insane. But thinking about <laughs> like, well, seriously, for me, like my worst years in school were seventh through ninth grade. Yeah. Like as far as like bullying, you know, like, I got the spitballs. I got my ass kicked. I get all that shit. You know, like I, it, 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 it was everything. And then to think about adding social media on top of that, like when I already like was, you know, so wound up and angry and like 
seeing all the, you know, all these people who have all these friends and groups. And it's like, I, I would have probably lost it, you know, and right. even knowing for, for like girls at that age too, when that type of communication is even more weaponized in a way, yeah. you know, where guys, you know, would fight in the yard and girls would like, you know, backstab in other ways with less physical means, you know, it's way worse for girls because of that. And so I feel like it's kind of one of those things where you have to like, Hold off as long as you can until the kid runs away and steals a phone. Dude, that, 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 that's an insane predicament to be in because it's like we didn't have to deal with that. Our parents didn't have to deal with that with us. Like I'm sure they had other things to deal with. Yeah. But this is like an the social media, the phones, you know, being like tapped in. That's that's a whole other element to throw into the mix. And I think it 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 could be very dangerous because at the end of the day, it's an addiction. Yeah. You know that eventually starts to change the way you think yeah um and the way you act right so it's like i think every everything in balance at the end of the day comes back to everything in balance you know you have to have some order to it i mean did you like well i guess for 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 example um did you guys communicate on like internet forums when you're in middle school you you guys run into instant messenger instant yeah well i i wasn't really a forum junkie but actually well a little bit yeah wrestling forums okay well Well, i mean i don't know if you experienced it but like that was kind of i think our generation's form of social media at that age in the sense that we had that anonymized level of communication and you know i mean you know you get a you make a post you make a comment and if one person you know comes after you it's like it's like, oh my god! Like, oh, you, you start questioning your life. Like, this is this person smarter than me? Am I stupid? Are they calling me out? You know, it's like even even today, I you know, you make a YouTube video and you read one negative comment that's like well written, mm. <laughs> and you're like, oh god, I let I, everyone hates me. I let everyone down. You know, it's just like imagine being in that mind of a 13 or 14 year old and getting that negative comment, and like how much poor, much more poor poorly you can handle that and i feel like that's the best way you can really consider yeah it's gonna be interesting because i i don't know if it's more we're more reactionary to that currently because we will be considered we'll go down in history as the amateurs of the information age you know like i'm hearing all i'm I'm just to make an example I'm, i just finished dan carlin's blueprint for armageddon podcast which is incredible by the way if yes. you have a chance to listen to it wow yeah definitely do that but the point is when soldiers were first introduced to the battlefields of world war one they just got slaughtered right? yeah and then people smartened up they built trenches and then eventually by the end of world war one you had open warfare which was basically where things picked up in world war ii and we're going to go down our generation as that for those first people on the battlefield in World War One, getting slaughtered by 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 information because we're the first generation that's had to deal with it in mass, and so I think regardless of how we treat it, we're always going to have people. Are, history is going to look at us with that lens. That's interesting. Well, it's kind of sounds like what we were talking about with Luke a little bit, you know, where it's like we we're, we're in this flux period here where where we don't fully understand the consequences and repercussions of of how this will affect the day-to-day of society like and, cigarettes kind of were yeah, yeah. kind of yeah. yeah exactly but like how do, how do we handle that and how do we change it but i think we're certainly in that in that turning point 
Although I, I, I mean, I'm curious. It's weird because I don't feel like I'm leading cavalry into machine gun fire by browsing the web right now. <laughs> Again, I think it's a balance. Like, if, <laughs> so I, so I'm curious. Maybe you to are, see, man. Or maybe I mean, we'll see. We'll see once people learn how to use those machine. Maybe people haven't fully figured out the machine guns yet, or I don't, I mean, maybe they have. <laughs> well, it's it's kind that's of, the world. That's the World War One reference. <clears throat> anyway, <laughs> here's a crazy here's a crazy idea, crazy thought. So. Eventually, you're going to be for installing technology in your body, or you're not going to be for that. Right. I think it's going to get to that point. Yeah. Yeah. And like, definitely. Probably. Well, have you heard about Elon Musk's Neuralink? I have, yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was just like him going to be making like a fancy like phone interface, but then he's like, no, no, it's actually installing a microchip in your brain. It's like, oh. I know that that was going to be like, <laughs> like when he was on Joe Rogan's podcast, he was talking about, oh, in three months, four months, it's coming out. Did it yeah. come out? Did no, it? No, I think he was, he was going to announce it in three or four months. It, was it announced? Was it? A I fit? think he did. And it was like not even a big announcement. He basically just, but anyways, yeah, he, it's basically a way to get, it's, it's effectively AI and Wikipedia in your brain at the same time. Cause it's going to come to a point where it's like, you're going to have to choose to do that or to not. And, I think that's going to divide the world. People people are going to be like, "Nah, I'm I'm good." And they're just going to be not as smart. Well, it's it I mean, the interfaces already exist though today. That's the thing. It's like right now we but have like, like but like physically installing something inside yeah, it like that. Right, but but think about it this way. And this is the way the same way that it's been explained by by Musk, but right now you have a phone. Mm-hmm. You input information into it. It gives you information back. Yeah. Right, so that that is the interface. Mm-hmm. That's the link that you currently have with cybernetics, I guess, or technology, which eventually will become cybernetic. Right, right. And all he's saying is like, well, what if you didn't give the information with your fingers? You instead gave it with your brain. So it's like no big deal then. Like, what, well, would you guys would you guys do that? It would depends you? on how yeah, practical definitely. it is. You yeah, would I think if it's, I would definitely do it. If it's if it's controllable, right? You can turn it off. There's a like clear logic link between it, where it it it, it functions in. Right now, we're thinking about it in like our mind's eye, you mm-hmm. know, like in perfect it, in a perfect world. Yeah, but it actually functions how it's intended to, in the sense that it doesn't take over your brain, right? It doesn't like just go off. You can you can control it. You can turn it off, right? All of these different things that are part of it. If it makes it easier for you to interface with what will eventually be the version of your phone, I don't know. It just scares me, man. It's like to, to, you need to be, you need to have that to become a member, like a working member of society. Like that's just the creepiest. Well, it kills me. trivia night. That's for sure. <laughs> Certainly not going to be able to play Jeopardy on my Switch. I'll yeah, I know. Damn. What actor, lead actor, was in <laughs> Ghost Ship? And everyone's just like. Whoop! Well, there's already <laughs> barriers to entry to participating in society, though, Clint. You know, and I think that's yeah. But the when thing. you're messing with, like, yeah, but you're t- like, think about somebody. Would you? Would you? Will you get that implant? Just to I, g- not. I, my first instinct is no. Then throw away that Adam Jensen jacket. All right. Hey, I put it in the. I put it in the freaking <laughs> storage closet. Throw it out it's your guy, in the it's, dumpster. It's already in the prop closet, dude. Is it because you realized you never wore it? I never asked for this. You never. <laughs> I never asked for this. That's why it is. That's why they say love is an open door. 
because love has no barrier to entry and you can it's drafty it's drafty in there it is drafty it comes and goes sometimes it lets but, in all the heat and sometimes it lets out all the heat you, you say you want say you you want a job right you want a job a job well uh, first of all flip burgers let's first of all burgers. just to flip burgers okay like let's just break this down for a second you need to be able to show up to a place at the same time and leave at the same time you need to be able to collect form of payment. You need to be able to do the job. So you need to be able to speak the same language. You need to be able to show up and clean clothes. You need to be able to like communicate with the other people around you. We do that already, though. Yeah, but where, people, where, where are you going with this? Where, just, where is this going? I'm saying what I'm saying is currently there's already huge barriers to entry to even just getting there. Like from a person, you take a person on the street, you try to get them there. Like we were at Big Bear today. Well, I mean, and that guy was talking to me because I had that raft. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I had that raft with. Yeah, me. we were trying to swim. We were trying to row boats he in Lake even, Hunter. He couldn't even speak English to me. He couldn't even communicate to me because his mind was so just gone. Gone, or just he spoke a different language? Maybe, maybe he was his, speaking English, but he wasn't speaking in coherent. Was he like on something? Maybe his no, was, was a sim- was cybernetic a, implant he a, glitching. He clearly had like. Um, you know, obviously like some sort of mental condition and he was homeless and he was just standing outside and he was trying to communicate with me. Oh, I got you. But his way of communicating with me was just him like acknowledging the fact that I had a raft mm. and thinking it was funny mm-hmm. the same way that somebody who speaks like Cantonese would communicate that to me, but even less directly, huh. you know, that's that was our level of communication, even though he was speaking English. So you're talking about like universal language, like Google Translate in the no, head? I'm just saying like you're you're like, I don't think it makes I don't think it changes a whole lot to say like, well, now to participate in society, you need a piece of technology because it first of all, that thing is going to be super cheap because they're going to want yeah, everyone to have yeah, it. Yeah. Right. And then everyone will be using it. So, you know, it's I don't know. It's just not an easy question to answer. No, it's not. But I, I, I don't know. I, I want it to be expensive as hell, so I never have to watch an ad in my brain. Oh god, well, that's how it's gonna. How do you think? I it's want it to be, be super, for? super Damn. expensive. No, how do you think it's gonna be paid for? Probably all the the data and like deep dark secrets that it gets to look at. What about? It's gonna be paid for through through ad money. Unless we switch to universal health care of some sort. Why, why, universal why would that, mental why, why chip would care. That, because it's like it's it's free for everyone, you know. But think about it. It's though, not. Though. I don't think universal for- universal anything isn't free for everyone by definition. Someone has to pay for it. Still, the problem is. The, I mean, just I so, mean, here's the best way I think I could explain a world where they're cheap. Imagine you think you're. Let's say you are watching a movie. That's right. They still exist in 20 years. <laughs> no one's making them anymore. But they exist, and so you're watching this antique movie from. 2019. You don't the plot. You're watching John Wick 3 with your <laughs> son who's finally old enough to watch it. All right? Okay. And you've got your cybernetic implant and you watch an actor right, on the screen right, and you're right. like, oh, who, who was that actor? And then the chip instantly is going, oh, that actor, we're looking it up and right before the word hits your mind, you get an advertisement for Coca-Cola. It's like, it says, by the way, drink Coke. Anyways, no, so the actor you were dystopian and horrible. The, the, I would remove the, that. The person you were looking for is well. I mean, but it's what's the difference? You look it up on your phone, and IMDb pops well, up, and the first thing you see is an ad, and then you scroll yeah, down. I guess. Let me just let me just take 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 this in a slightly different direction. I think the hardest thing, regard, and I think maybe this is what you're getting at, Clint. The hardest thing 
would be the ability to like not do something, right? Say say you like have a bad habit of buying things on Amazon and you have this chip in your brain and you think of something and I see that water bottle and I go, that's a cool water bottle. I want that. And you already have a bad habit of buying that thing. Now- And the chip knows. And the chip knows. It's like, man, that's where it starts to become a very dangerous territory because anyone who like pays attention to themselves knows like, hey, I've got I've got this or I've got that. And there's certain things that I just don't do because I know that it's not good for me, mm-hmm. right? For some people, it's alcohol. For some people, it's cigarettes. For some people, it's porn. For some people, it's like accessories mm-hmm. or shopping, mm-hmm. you know? And everyone has that thing. And mm-hmm. I think if, if, if the chip, which is this theoretical chip, right, that just exists in everyone, which is totally yeah. futuristic, dystopian, hypothetical, <laughs> but like if it just does this thing and you can't control it then like obviously that's not good for anyone. Yeah, but I don't think this kind of stuff is ever designed with bad intentions necessarily. I think they're designed in good with good intentions and are like are aware of that. It's just usually you just don't want to be in V1 of that chip. <laughs> no, I'm not buying the V1. Beta, the you beta. you want to be in V2 after they like iron out those I mean, kinks. look at Google Glass. That was V1 of AR technology. Yeah, but it's also kind it's of kind of like, useless. It's basically it a smartwatch for your eyeball, and <laughs> so so is useless. <laughs> it doesn't matter where you put the smartwatch. <laughs> but yeah, I, I mean, it's like I feel like it's easy to joke about the dystopian stuff, but it's like I don't think that's I don't think that's how that that would really get realized. It's like it's kind of like Metal Gear Solid Four, where like all the soldiers have chips, and then Snake is the only one without a chip, and he's like, I go old school, and then like. Mm-hmm. You know, they start, it gets all glitchy and then they start getting controlled. And he's like, I'm so glad I'm old school. And then, like, he gets infected and all, and it gets all crazy. Yeah. Yeah. My, my brain just goes off. I don't know. I like coming up with dumb stuff. Okay. Here, here, here's just to, just to piggyback on this current topic. Do you think that extreme opinions, the reason why extreme opinions are so popular today is because with, media being the way that it is it's the it's the first time where you can have such an a platform for such an extreme opinion and get it out to as many people let me explain me explain a little bit further because that's not a very good way that i explain that but let me start over right now people can uh say anything mm-hmm. and Previous to social media, right, you didn't have this ability to, for everyone to be able to say something. It was like information was curated. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. And people that were, the people with the extreme opinions would be like the people standing in a park on a soapbox saying the same thing. They didn't have a collective. It was just them. Yeah. Yeah. And now, and so over time, humans became conditioned to... Basically, if information is presented to you, mm-hmm. whether it's like through media or through in person, uh-huh. like if somebody in person, me, you, and me and you right here, and I'm telling you my opinion, mm-hmm. that opinion that I have is going to have more effect on you than if you just like see it in a magazine, you know, because I'm right here telling it to you. Mm-hmm. And the same thing that if you're watching a television program and somebody that you recognize is giving you an opinion, mm-hmm. you might be more affected by that. Mm-hmm. But now, anyone can do that. Yeah. And well, so I think... you get these people with, you get the ability to like, 
people are still in the same sense in the old way attached to opinion and so someone says something mm. extreme and you're like hey that's extreme are you are it's, you talking about like how um basically information had to go through i guess a number of hands before it was presented to the public and now we're just talking about there's there's no barrier to entry kind and so of. and so that like democratization of communication has kind of led to a what is kind of like an ambiguity of truth because mm-hmm. usually if i'm like hey i'm gonna go tell this to a million people like i'll talk about it with a few other people first that's, and then we'll yeah. put it out there that's i but guess now, yeah that's when, that's what i mean but that hierarchy mm-hmm. gets smaller and smaller until it's basically one to two people and right. now they can access so 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 like when it comes to like fact checking and ethics and journalistic integrity yeah it's not a uh th- those things just don't play and so is that what we're y- talking yeah about that's 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 what i'm getting i just went okay. the long way and you cut to it more clearly and 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 basically well what, what do you have to do what do you think so, about it so what i'm thinking what i'm saying is do you think it's true that like if if you just have a loud extreme opinion because of the way that the environment is currently it's taken as fact. It's taken as fact. Do you think that's actually happening, or do you think people just like to talk about that because it's something that seems like it could be an explanation? I think people like to be right um, and justified in the things they're saying, and they're trying to find people who agree with them and be like, yes, yes, I am validated in everything I say because yeah. I don't want to be wrong. I don't want to be challenged. Okay, ever. So, so now people want to be right. They also want to feel like people like people want to feel like they're a part of something, right? Yes. Now, take that a step further, and do you think that given how much information and different opinions and different ideas are out there currently, that there's this there's this pulling on the fabric of, of society, effectively? There's a, it's pulling apart, and so people are gravitating towards these different ideas to feel like they're still part of, like, human culture? Maybe. Well, honestly, I th- the way I, I, here's where I thought this was going, and I thought this was going with the uh polarization of ideas uh and 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 kind of that like incongruity but between you know like it's it's the loss of the gray area so to speak when it comes to like discussion yeah but i i i I thought that was going in the direction of is that a cause because life is better than ever and people need to find conflict in more things yeah yeah, and i think i'm going the the long way to the same so because you know think if you think about sports teams two teams basically you know it's a metaphor for combat you know, just in right. a different way. It's a different set of rules, mm-hmm. different con- constraints, but that's basically it. You know, it's no different than arena battles, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But because of, you know, improvement in quality of life, et cetera, uh, people's innate competitive and combative, combative instincts create or, or, or I guess emphasize and uh, exaggerate things that are not large conflicts, but they turn them into big ones because mm. they lack that conflict in their life. Maybe, yeah. I, I think that people are generally stressed and anxious, especially today. Like, mm. everyone's running around trying to do a million things, trying to, you know, trying to feel important, be important, have their voice heard. Um, they mm. need someone else to tell them that they're doing a good job. They need someone mm. else to validate their existence. And, like, that's that would be very stressful. Um, yeah. So maybe starting arguments or, or trying to, you know, it's built up energy going in a certain direction. Possibly. I know, I'm not saying like I know, but like yeah. maybe that's a thing. I think working out is another way to get rid of that that mm-hmm. energy. Um, 
I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think like what we're, we're pretty sedentary. Yeah. Right. Well, because I think there's a lot of theories surrounding it because I think I think right now, I think the the one objective fact statement truth that you can kind of point towards is that um, right now people are very can be very loud. People can have very loud voices. You, Some people. You, you can project it out. And I would argue that in the world of opinions and content and news, there's more voices than ever. And so, you know, are we looking at that as maybe the actual cause here? Just there's more content. Therefore, there's more conflict because there's more opinion out there, you know, and it's just if everything has scaled up or is there something that's more targeted happening here? You know, is 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 the content shifting in a in a certain direction that we're able to kind of pick up on here or maybe maybe it's just kind of all in your head too is, is that does that type of content where there are two people on polar ends and polar opposites going at it is that type of content i guess more attractive as a listener or a viewer so it's like it's it's i like i i don't know what right now if it's an effect or like a symptom or something that's or a a misconception a mis misperception in a weird way and it's something i think about very frequently. I don't know. Well, um, I think drama is interesting. I think that's why, like, I, I've never seen an episode of the Kardashians, but that's a reality show, right? Yeah. And um, the whole, like, dramatic reality show kind of craziness going on with YouTube, people calling people out, drama here and there, like, that's interesting. Tabloids, People Magazine, all that stuff, like, who's got the beef on them? You yeah. know, it's like, and then people gravitate towards that stuff. And yeah. then, like, the media probably knows this. They well, probably got... They do. Well, can I tell you guys one of the ju- juiciest pieces of political news that I've ever heard? Yeah. yeah. Nancy Pelosi, the newly appointed Speaker of the House, mm-hmm. basically disinvited Trump from delivering the State of the Union. Yeah, she did that. Isn't that insane? That's pretty crazy. Isn't that pretty... like? Basically, just saying, "Hey, don't, don't come here. Don't talk to us. We don't want to give you a platform. We don't like." I think that's some of the juiciest, juiciest drama, <laughs> and it would not be created without this like absolute polarization. Well, she's saying that because the government's shut down. Well, she and is. So she's saying, "Don't do it while the government's shut down." That's what she was saying. No, no, I'm I just, think. I'm still, I'm still. It's yeah. kind of, it's kind of like a pretty big fu. Oh yeah. Well, yeah, like dividing the houses, like they're dividing the uh, the uh, branches of government, like that. Exactly. Yeah. No, that's no good. I mean, that's that's I, in another way, that's what I was getting at too. Like this um, information comes from all these different places now, and so do you think that that's having a negative effect in a way because it's tearing people, it's tearing the fabric of society apart? You know, like people used to have information from for better or for worse, right? Because the naysayer will always say, well. Like if everyone, everyone back in the day, 200, 100 years ago, whatever, if everyone came from like this Judeo-Christian background with like X, Y, and Z, and you got your news from all the same places and you, you kind of did all the same things as everyone else, which marginalized other people that weren't that, which I understand. And there's value to not just having one opinion, but also at the same time, I also think in opening the floodgates to literally everyone with an opinion about anything that is also creating this sort of like modern babble situation 
where everyone is saying different things and that's actually tearing down hmm. any the fabric ground? of communication and ground yeah common well, ground I mean, amongst people I guess so but I mean it's more of I feel like it's partially you can you could attribute the death of like monoculture to mm-hmm. it obviously when we we talk about you know we have music industries film industry entertainment for that matter like basically mass communication you know mm-hmm. obviously that's for entertainment purposes but happened to the music industry you know you have the death of monoculture there's no like i guess there's still some quite large bands and rappers out there but i would say most people's yeah. musical tastes are far drake more is, diverse drake than ever. is like the most monoculture musician out yeah, there it's like currently. drake drake yeah yeah but that's that's music though when it comes to like uh morals and beliefs uh that just gets confusing because i the way i feel i feel confused like again i was raised christian i was raised to believe you know that that god exists that jesus exists that jesus was raised from the dead three days after they crucified him right. he came back and he died for everyone to give everyone a chance yeah, you know class, to be saved yeah, classic right? christian classic doctrine. yep and that was 20 years of my life that was every sunday go to church and you know just learn about learn about jesus learn about god mm-hmm. and and honestly, like since coming out, moving away from that, physically moving across the United States yeah. to a different place, it's like I don't have to listen to my parents anymore. I don't. I don't. I do what I want. I do exactly I what, do I, what want. I want. Exactly. So I stopped going to church, uh-huh. and I was like, "Well, why am I going to church? Am I, am I going to church for my parents? Am I going to church for me?" And I realized, like, I'm going to church for my parents. I can't. I I, I shouldn't be doing that. I need to find my own path. I need to find my own way. Right. So I stopped going to church, and. I just start questioning things like what, how, and why, and what. Dude, I can't even believe what the news is telling me. They, there, there's a spin on everything. There's a bias on everything. And everyone has their secret reason as to why I'm telling you this information and we want you to feel this way. Like, right. I don't think it's like, you know, uh, 1984. But, like, there's some creepy stuff. There's some creepy stuff in there currently, like, in the news right now. And... My dad watches news 24-7, and it's like, dude, that stuff is so dark and depressing, yeah. and I, I, I don't watch news at all. I do not. I would rather, like, not just have that. I, I don't want to have that. Right. I don't want to have that. And I know, yes, it might be stupid. People might call me out on that, but that's just the way I choose to live my life. It's hard to know what is is the truth, the truth, right? And if it's hard to believe what the news is telling me, how am I supposed to believe what this book says, you know, that was written for so long ago? And then there's all these other religions, too, that that claim that they are they're the right ones, right? right? So I'm just confused, generally. And then when it's coming to, to politics and the news, it's just confusion. I, I just see people fighting. That's all I see. Republicans, Democrats. I hate this side. I hate that side. It's like, why do we even call it? Like, why, why isn't it just like one group of people and like they have different points about some stuff and like i think just calling them two different things sets it up so that they're just i hate that side and i'm not gonna vote for that side because they're called republicans and then i'm not gonna (laughs) vote for because they're democrats ah it's like dang dude ah it's just confusing man it's confusing and i i kind of like right now i've kind of just like right it's a lot dude it's a lot and i know i have to dig in i know they say you you you're not you're no longer unemployed on your opinion you're you're out of the workforce what was that it's an economic reference i'm sorry um in economics yeah (laughs) 
In economics, there's this idea that people that are unemployed are still in the workforce, but they can't find a job. And when people leave the workforce because they eventually give up on finding a job, they are no longer considered unemployed. They're considered out of the workforce. Oh. So when they say that unemployment rate is 4%, mm-hmm. right? That, that those That's 4% of people that are in the workforce still looking for a job. Mm-hmm. It doesn't consider all the people that are no that have given up. Have you, that have, are no longer trying. I'm curious. Are you familiar of any instances where the un, the imp- the unemployment rate goes down due to people leaving the workforce. So it looks like, yeah, that could be happening right now. Actually, you think so? Yeah. Well, right now we're we're at this economically. So here here's a here's a here's a rebuttal to what I would say, what you were saying, mm-hmm. uh, just or maybe you know another opinion on it, and then also to tie into what Sam just asked me. Mm-hmm. Economic news is actually very enlightening um, because they can't lie. It's like sports in a way. Did somebody win or lose? Mm-hmm. And so there's all these parameters, right? But in general, the reason why I watch more economic news than any other form of news and why I read more economic news than any other form of news is because there's winners and losers. And in politics, that's not always true. It's usually not true at all. Mm-hmm. And so to tie into what's going on currently, Sam, we're, we're, we're at this point where no one quite knows if we're in a recession or not. We might be, we might not be. Everyone, no one seems to know. We just went through this huge 10-year up cycle and now we're kind of just floating around and like there's different parameters and like all the opinions on TV have different opinions about what what's going to happen. And the unemployment rate currently is like at one of its lowest. Like the Q4 job numbers came in recently and they were way, like people had more jobs than anyone thought they were going to have. And so it immediately made me think like, A, are more people leaving the workforce because they can't find work? And with more people being contractors than ever before, like does that mean people are employing themselves well, more than ever the, before? I mean, I'm, that's actually something really interesting because right now we live in a time where you don't, like, you don't need a W-2 salary. Yeah, to get by, and there's so many, many ways. YouTube being one, Uber, <laughs> right? One like, and, like two, yeah, there are very... so many things that just are not in that traditional realm of what you would consider employment. You know, if you right. Uber every day, like what, what, how, how, like how much Ubering do you have to do to be considered uh, uh, an employee or employed? So to speak, they don't. I don't. I could be wrong about this, but I don't believe they employ you. Well, what I'm getting at is that for it to count when it comes to a a job number or a census like that. Well, what what would happen is you'd you'd say that you're self employed, and then the government would look at that number and go, "Great, this guy's got a job." That makes sense. He employed right. himself. Right. That's a job. Well, yeah, we'd be sole proprietor. Yeah, or something so like that's that. what and they would say. Taxes and so even though there's like less, probably there's probably less W two jobs out there. But because there's more people doing that, I think they're thinking that we're ha- people have more jobs than ever before. When I I don't think that's necessarily yeah. The case. I think it's people yeah. More people are self-employed, but not quite getting by on the same way that they would have before in a more traditional yeah. Job market. Our our generation yeah. employs itself differently by and large than the generation before it. But I don't yeah. know how much the generation before us really realizes that. Um, and so since they're the ones who are doing most of the numbers yeah. currently. I, I don't know if there, I think there's, I think there's a disconnect there, um, but we'll find out, you know, we'll find out in the next two years. Mm-hmm. 
We're about to begin Clint's story about his harrowing and near-fatal experience on a film set, and I would definitely say listener discretion is advised because we are about to talk about near-fatal injuries. There is a little bit of blood. There might be a little bit of gore, and it might not be best for those of you who are squeamish to those types of things. That being said, it's definitely a very profound and life-changing story if you are into that. So here it is. This is whenever we change topics, this is what we this is what we use. <clears throat> Clint, um a couple of years ago, you were up in uh Los Angeles Crest National Forest. Mm-hmm. And um there was an incident where a man on a on a motorcycle injured got severely injured. I gave you a call. Yeah. A uh, day after it happened. Yeah. I was worried. Very uh, worried. How did <laughs> explain a little bit about what happened there and how it affected your life um so new camera came out yeah the company contacted me and was like hey got a new camera you want to make something cool for it we'll give you the camera and i was like yeah of course so i decided to do some sort of some cool like motorcycle shots up in uh on the two angeles crest highway yeah um, no big deal, right? Just call up some of my friends who enjoy riding motorcycles. And uh, I got two people. One of them was a good friend of mine. The other was a friend or an acquaintance of an acquaintance. Uh-huh. Uh, I, d- I didn't know the guy. Yeah. Um, so we met in Pasadena and we decided, hey guys, just want to get some cool shots of, of you guys riding around. We'll, we'll treat it like, I'll cut it together like it's a chase sequence. You know, but I'm just going to get really cool up close shots. We have a pickup truck. I'll be in the back of the pickup truck uh, filming with this sweet new uh, stabilizer camera thing. Yeah. Uh, you guys get as clo- essentially as close as you can safely. And um, I will film you. And I'll let you know. I'll, I'll, I'll push my hand back. If we need you to. Go back, I'll pull you forward, and we'll only max out at this speed. We're not going to go 50. We're going to go 25 or something. Um, you, th- That's dangerous, dude. <laughs> that's super dangerous. Um, That alone, man. So we go up there, and I, sh- I, I film one of the riders. Goes well. Before we, before we film, I say, hey, if I ask you guys to do anything that you don't feel comfortable doing, tell me no, and we won't do it. It was just verbal. There was no written thing. It's not, there's no, there's no insurance, there's no production, but it's just like a. You guys are just up there to get cool shots. Everyone was there voluntarily. Exactly. Yeah. So I shoot, I shoot the first writer. All good. We pull over. We talk about plans for the second writer. He hasn't got, he hasn't been filmed yet. And um, we're setting up a shot where it'd be as if, I mean, it, it, the shot was basically this. We're in, I'm in the pickup truck. We're going like 30, right? Mm. And then from out of frame, the motorcycle pulls in from the side and is going the same speed as the truck. Mm. So we found a big old side turnoff on the road. And we had that rider positioned at the top of that turnoff. We were going to come around the bend, pass him, as soon, well, as soon as he sees us, he he picks up speed. We pass him. He pulls behind us. Oh, like an on ramp. 
like you, an on ramp. Yeah. You're going on a road, and there's like a on ramp that then merges in with it. Yeah, something. Like and the that. camera's looking backwards. He's facing the camera, and he just pulls up to to the same speed as as us. Okay. That's what we talked about, and um. So we we execute the shot. He's at the top of the the turnoff. We come around, pass him at like thirty, and we just he, he's not moving. We're like, okay, that shot's biffed. But he slowly starts to pick up. Truck is still going. He's a good like three hundred feet behind us. He pulls out on the road and starts picking up. And by the time he gets halfway to our car, I'm in the back of this pickup truck filming him getting closer. It's like 150 meters away at this point. Yeah. The the truck driver slams on the brakes. And I'll get into why he did that in a second. So he slams on the brakes. And at this point, the motorcycle is still picking up speed towards us. And you're you've, you're stopped by now. We're not stopped. No, it all it happened very fast. We're not stopped. He's picking up speed. He's picking up speed, and I have footage of it, so I know that six seconds passed between the brakes and the collision where he hit the back of the pickup truck, and he did a double front flip over the pickup truck, over my head, and landed face first onto the pavement and slid a good like 10 to 15 feet and uh i was just started screaming like oh my god oh my god oh my god like screaming yeah and at this point i had i, I was at the back of the pickup truck i'd slid to like the window part and mm-hmm. boom, stand up i run over to him and he's making this horrible sound like trying to breathe mm. and um i don't touch him we like I'm, I'm like pacing trying to figure out what to do this guy might be dead i don't know we're trying to call 911 but there's no service so the other the other motorcyclist flies down the mountain to get service at this point alex devecchio shows up randomly randomly and he's like what's going on I, I explain it. He wasn't invited to the shoot. Or no, anything. he was just there, dude. He just pulled up and then he zipped down the mountain. On a motorcycle, too? He was on his motorcycle. He was cruising around. He zips down the mountain. And um, at this point, like, dude, the guy, like, there's blood coming out of his mouth and he's making this horrible, like, <laughs> sound, like, trying to breathe. I'm like, Jacob, Jacob, dude, dude, you're going to be okay, man. Stay, hang in there. Hang in there. It's going to be chill. All good. I was like trying to calm myself down, you know, him at the same time, of course, it, no reaction from him. He's just in his, in his world. Um, maybe five minutes later, an ambulance pulls up and Alex caught the ambulance or he caught, he caught a tow truck who called ambulance came up mm. and they started cutting his pants off and cutting his shirt off. And like they left his helmet on and, um, you know, eventually I heard the helicopters come in and. And they told us they got they got all the info from us, sent us sent us back. We we went to the hospital um, in Pasadena that he was going to be at. So we're waiting at the hospital. We don't know if he's dead. We don't know if he is a vegetable. Uh, we don't know anything. All we know is like we need to wait here at the uh, at the ER before 
um, you know, for, for him to get there and figure out what's going on. So, dude, I'm freaking out. I'm freaking out at this point. Uh, I don't know what to do. I can't calm myself down. And an hour later, maybe two hours later of waiting there, um, we get news that his brain um, has swelled and is pressing against his skull. And um, he has all of these blood clots in his brain. And, like, they have to saw his skull open to, like, let the brain breathe mm-hmm. or else he's going to die. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I was like, dude, no, man. They didn't know if he was going to make it or not. So the next day I call you. And I'm yeah. like, Jake, here's the situation. I'm prepared to go to the jail for I don't know how long. <laughs> because I set up the shot, dude. I set up the shot. It was my, like... I felt like I was to blame for this whole thing. So I called you and I was like, dude, what? Like, am I, am I to blame for this? Yeah. Do I, can I, like, can, am I going to lose all my money? Am I going to lose, am I going to be screwed for the rest of my life? Like, and, and saying it now is kind of like selfish. Like, dude, is the guy going to live? Yeah. But I'm also thinking like, am I going to be in jail for how long? And like, am I going to have to pay him for the rest of my life? So, Based on based on what you told me, I kind of got a peace of mind a little bit. Yeah. Um. Ended up visiting him two weeks later, and he was like swelled up like a balloon. I had to meet his whole family. He wasn't conscious. Like, I like went to go hold his hand, and he just was like, like holding my hand. I was like, dude, like, are you pissed at me? Or like, he he was out. He was out of it. I didn't know what to think. And um, dude, meeting his family was the worst, man. It was so bad. It was like it was just the worst situation. Uh, so, you know, the cops got involved and they got the footage and they were like reviewing it and, and all this, the truck driver slammed on the brakes cause he thought we were going to pull over to meet the other rider. It's like, no, that was never discussed. Um, you know, and it ended up, I, I didn't talk to him for a year. The, the rider who got, who's in the hospital. I didn't talk to him for a year. I found out he forgot who his cousins were, he forgot. He he was like number one, top of class, Navy, Air, no, Air Force, forgot all the stuff he learned. He was like recommended by Obama to be at the top or whatever. That got cut off. Couldn't be a part of anything like that anymore. He was like number one engineer, mathematician guy. Shut down. Like It'd be like Ren times friggin' five, just forgetting everything. Put on like 50, 60 pounds. I was like, dude, this guy's life is friggin' done. And I would check his Facebook every so often and it'd be like, I'm so mad. I'm so pissed. And like, I'd be like, oh, dude. And I, so I called him a year later and I was like, after he called me, he called me. I, I couldn't answer. I, I just couldn't. I couldn't. A couple weeks passed by. He calls me, I pick up and we talk for like two hours. And basically he tells me all the things I'm telling you about his, his state and how he had these crazy dreams and like, his dream, how he, he has some crazy dreams, man. <laughs> and, 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 and basically, uh, he told me like, dude, it's not your fault. Um, the truck driver hit the brakes. You were just filming it. And like, that kind of gave me some closure as to the, the, all the things I was feeling about it. Right. And to see him posting on Facebook, like better than ever now. And like how he, his life 
is changed for the better because of his mindset and his approach to everything and how like nothing's going to stop him. They told him he'd never walk again, but he's running and like all this. I'm like, dude, that was a close one. That was a freaking close one, dude. So when did his mindset change when he contacted you? Um, it was, I mean, it was around that time. It, it, it wasn't like a clear, like yesterday I was this and today I'm that. Yeah. Uh, it was, it definitely over time. I still think to this, to this day is still, he's still like coping with it. And it was, that was like three years ago in October. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, a lot of feelings <laughs> from is, that situation. What did that teach you about, about life? What did that teach you about yourself? Well, safety, number one, communication. Let's not do anything unless we're all on the same page about it. Yeah. Especially if it's dangerous. Yeah. Also, let maybe let's not do it unless we're working with stunt guys, you know. Yeah. Who are down for that kind of stuff? Yeah. Th- th- those are those are those are a couple things. After hearing it, the first thing I feel and think is how you should not take for granted all the things that go right in your life, even even if they're small, whether you're on. <laughs> Like like us on a film set and we do something where a guy rolls down a hill and thankfully no one rolls onto a rock or whatever. Or you drop a knife while cleaning it and it doesn't stab you in the foot or whatever. But like it's just that you definitely start taking that kind of stuff for granted. Like all the near misses that you have or even the things that you do that are a little, you know, reckless. Whether they're big or small and... When you end up for the better, you're like, oh, yeah, no big deal. It always happens. But even in this situation, which could have been easily prevented, they're like even listening to it. It's like there's more multiple points where you think, oh, someone will do something right or someone won't do something wrong or, you know, because that keeps happening. But then everything doesn't go the direction you think it will. And it's easy to take that for granted for sure. It also made me realize, like, why am I, what am I doing, dude? I'm making films. I'm making short films on the internet. Yeah. And this dude almost lost his life, and, and he's a vegetable for a year, and he can't remember all the stuff he devoted his entire life to. Is it worth it? No. And so that, that yeah, that's just like, dude, not worth, <laughs> not worth <laughs> No, not at all. Yeah, I think, well, this ties into something we talked about right before we started the cast, but I think the, the one of the main, one of the only solaces in a situation like that is who's around you in a, in a time like that. You know, like this guy, hopefully the people around him are one of the reasons why he, was able to to change his his direction a little bit and hopefully still to this day but uh yeah that's funny it's funny when you when you well first we should definitely put like a little listener discretion thing on the front of this thing here because uh that's a very it's a graphic story uh but uh it's funny it's actually there's something funny there's something there's lightness that comes with the darkness <laughs> <laughs> because you're like, hey, uh, let's talk about your motorcycle story, and I'm like, 
Oh, this one's going to be a doozy. Uh, it's probably going to talk about when Spencer first got his motorcycle license <laughs> and rented an overpowered motorcycle he'd never ridden, and it was too too strong, and then slips on some sand, and it lands on his ankle, and everyone had a great time. Except for Spencer. Except for Spencer. <laughs> the best part. His, of his, his day got worse, and everyone's got better. <laughs> oh, no. The pictures, dude. The pictures, like, you can... So there, there, there's a... <laughs> <laughs> See, it's like... And, and, yeah, motorcycles very dangerous. I think I think we should know that. But that's established. The pictures. Yeah. So I, I heard I heard about the story. Like, what happened to Spencer? So, so, basically, hold big picture here. Uh, about a few years back, we did some Harley Davidson classes, got our our licenses, and it kind of kind of started getting passed around. And we ended up getting a, a contact who works at Harley Davidson, who, um, basically was uh, uh basically sending out you know loaner bikes. He's the marketing guy. He's, he's the, the market. Yeah, yeah. So so he we got loaner bikes. For anyone who had a motorcycle license, and basically a, a, a big old motorcycle trip got organized with everyone on these loner motorcycles. Yeah, yeah the ghoul kids. The ghoul kids. <laughs> and Spencer, yeah, Spencer Skoglinder, our, our uh, boy next door, yeah, he biffed it, crushed his ankle or whatever on a, with a bike, and was yeah, in a cast so, for okay, a few so months. Just to, just to detail <laughs> this a little bit further. Hold on, wait, 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 wait. wait, wait. So I want to hear this thing about the photos. So I hear the story. I'm like, dude, what, what, what happened? And I'm like freaking out. And then you're like, yeah, it was like on Mulholland or something where like there's that curve. There's, Were a, you there? there's an infamous, there's an infamous turn on Mulholland Freeway called the Snake because it's so windy and all the street bikers go up there every weekend to go around to go on the snake it's an advanced like it's area, advanced right? yeah but you can go slow and it's fine yeah and it's communal and mm-hmm. everyone's kind of there and people are taking pictures yeah. and it's like it's kind of a spot where all bikers in socal go and they and, and everyone kind of like shows off a little bit on the snake yeah. and the so, photographers are there yeah on the side there's like yeah. amateur motorcycle photographers like that mm-hmm, yeah okay and so or professional for that matter who knows so, you know, never, so, know. so we we went we went up the pch and we thought oh we'll just go up the hill and we'll come back down Mulholland freeway and okay. we'll go through the snake we'll were, go slow were you there clint too? i was not i was you, not i just you hear, actually hearing on the this, ride okay. no i was not on the ride i was okay. hearing this like the next week yeah and then and then spencer was on this he was on a 1200 sports star he'd never been on one before and uh he was in the back, and he was following his brother, who was a, a who had his own bike, who was an experienced rider or more experienced anyway. And uh, so we we all we're we're spread out single file, right? We're going super slow. We're, we're no one's pushing it. We're going slow. We're on like big old bikes. No, none of us have ridden together before. It wasn't like we just went up there and we were busting the line. Because <laughs> that's like, what I'm imagining. No, that's not what happened <laughs> at all. We were all being super chill, except Spencer was having trouble keeping up with his brother and. So we, he went down the hill and I, I don't know, you know, he hasn't told me this directly, but I think he was trying to keep up a little bit okay, rather than just riding his own pace. And we, we said to everyone before, we're like, we're going on the snake. It's windy. It's dangerous. Just go slow, ride at your own pace and enjoy it. Right. Just go as slow as you need to go. That was the rule before we left. <laughs> right. Don't try to keep up with other people. <laughs> And there's a stopping point called the rock store when you get down the snake and we're all going to stop there and we all get down there and then all of a sudden the last four guys don't show up. <laughs> and we're like, fuck, <laughs> what happened? <laughs> and so Jeremy, the guy who hooked us up with the licenses, rides back up there and he comes back down and he's like, 
Spencer broke his ankle. Oh, <laughs> we're like, no. what? What happened? <laughs> and he was going around a turn too fast, and he slid into the dirt, and he slowed the bike almost entirely down. So the turn's like this. He goes, right? And there's like a rock face here. There's like a sandstone wall here, and there's a cliff on the other side. But he's turning in, so he's like turning into the rock. He goes a little too far, slides into the dirt. The bike comes to a stop, and like right as it comes to a stop, you know that point where it's supposed to like, Stop. not fall yeah. Yeah. he just went a little too far and it just went <laughs> his, his oh foot, i know he that. didn't get his foot out in time and it snapped it so snapped his ankle so i i hear the story and and you tell me about the website there's a website where people post pictures of com- people coming around the bend so i look it up i look it up and there's like freaking ZZ Top coming around the corner, freaking, freaking speed racer on his yeah. speed bike coming around. You got <laughs> you got the guy on the freaking the hog, the hog, yeah. the big old hog with the speakers on the side, yeah. coming around. Everyone's having a good old time. We we and yeah. then here comes Spencer, <laughs> and there's sparks shooting out the back of his freaking motorcycle because before he even crashed, his, his exhaust pipe is scraping on the on the asphalt. The, there's three pictures of everyone. The second picture, he's got he's got rocks shooting out the back tire because he goes too far off the side of the road. And then the third picture, he's crossed over the yellow line into the other lane. And that was it. And it was like the next person before he even crashed. He crashed on the next turn, dude. That wasn't even the turn he crashed. No, that was before. That was before. That was, oh that was like he didn't learn his lesson from he didn't learn his lesson from scraping his pipes and flying into oncoming traffic lanes. Was like Spencer. <laughs> oh my god. That's so there's no actual documented footage of the crash. That was all there was. I'm so sad that we'll never be able to find those photos. But look, this um, is Oh wait, can we? <laughs> I remember trying to look I, I, I remember hearing something like this, but I couldn't find anything. It'd be deep in the archive. This is a perfect example of what you were just saying, Sam. It went the right way this time. <laughs> it went the right way. Like we very easily could have been going on the up the other side. <laughs> oh man. <sighs> Sorry, I just had to bring that up just to like yeah. freaking funny, dude. Yeah. Like there's no I mean that last story is tragic, man, and it's like really messed up and I, I feel terrible that you had to go through it, but I'm also I guess relieved and you know i guess proud that you're able to go through it and that guy was able to go through it and survive and regain control of his life after such like a catastrophic thing mm-hmm. and you know <laughs> you're talking about spencer <laughs> <laughs> uh no i w- i wish i wish <laughs> I just want to find that photo of the three of them. There's I want to like find the frame of those. I want the, <laughs> right there. the progress photos. Yeah, they're, well, they're somewhere. They're online. They're online yeah. somewhere, dude. Yeah, we might be able to pick those up. Oh my god. Uh, well, anyway, so that's the only way we can get out of that, boys. Yeah, I think that. Uh, I think that wraps it up. I think that's uh, the end of the yeah. corridors. The corridor crew cast yeah. is what we're calling them now. What we learned is don't take life for granted and uh, get out there. Get out there. Get out there. Don't be, fun, af- be safe. Don't be afraid of the chip. Be skeptical <laughs> of those. Don't be peer pressured and get into a cybernetic implant. Don't let it. Like, if, you're, if you're getting a surgery. Don't be, don't like, be Marine Corps into getting a cybernetic <laughs> implant. Bro, we'll, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll slip the chip in. Don't worry about that. Like that's a, that's, don't worry about that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's no. Oh yeah, we also learned it's normal, uh, for 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 a young boy to want to join the Marines. Very yeah. normal. I mean, anyone who's the played phase. any any boy who's played army, I think. Yeah. I still have my army, little army. Because you hear about the army, and you're like, "Oh, the army's cool." And then somebody's like, "Well, have you heard of the Marines?" Yeah, yeah. You're like, "Wait a second. Yeah. And then someone's like, "They get more seals? badass." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. How is that possible? <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. All right. Well, it's been good talking, guys. Yeah. Until next time. Until right. next time. Signing off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening to the Corridor Cast. If you enjoy this episode, don't forget to subscribe on YouTube or on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcast. Doesn't matter. And if you really especially liked it, consider checking out our Patreon, Corridor Digital, or hop on over to our merch store at corridordigital.store because every shirt you buy funds great episodes like this and keeps those podcasts coming. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time.